Hey everyone, Daily Patreon. I'm sorry it's a little bit uh, delayed. It's been about a week since our last Daily Patreon. You can start to see the struggles we're under here at uh, No Cartridge Incorporated. Um, unfortunately, it's just um, burnout. Nothing really particularly interesting. Oddly enough, not burnout on the Daily Podcast, but burnout on sort of everything else. Um, but we're back. Um, we're here. I have a lot of ideas and uh, really excited to talk with you about them. So, um... I think what I'm going to try and do in the future, moving forward rather, is aim to make these about 10 to 15 minutes. We'll see if it works. Um, but that would be great. Like that would be like a, a really good, um, I don't know, a, a good little bite-sized piece. And you can mainline it on your walk or when you're doing dishes or, or whatever, right? All right. So what I wanted to talk about today is um, this concept of detective uh, fiction that happened around like a particular moment in time. Um, and, and this often ends up being some of our favorite detective fiction, at least sort of uh, one version of it or one series of it. Um, it's always weird. It's always supernatural, almost kind of. Um, it has to do with a lot of unanswered questions. And what I've realized uh, actually while uh, playing the other version of this that I'll talk about. So there are two uh, objects we'll be talking about today. Um, I realized that it all takes place right around the turn of the millennium, right? And, and thinking about how that anxiety of uh, 1999 turning into 2000, obviously we've all seen the Newman um, millennium party episode of Seinfeld, or we've had some friend tell us that, uh, you know, Actually, 2001 is the beginning of the millennium, not 2000. Uh, but we're dealing with symbols in this one, not facts. And um, in symbolically, uh, for most people, 1999 to 2000 was a big deal. Obviously, because um, for some people, or for some points, because of Y2K, um, the fear of you know planes dropping out of the sky, nuclear weapons hitting the ground, etc. But I also think um, you know, even if we get past that, right? This sense of transition between the 1999 and 2000 was this sense of like um, liminality, right? It, it's it's very easy to sort of find the passing of a year very, um, uh, I don't know, trivial, right? Um, you know, you just add another number onto the end of it. But to a lesser degree, when decades change, and certainly when centuries change, and absolutely when millennia change there's a feeling of significance, even if it's unearned, right? Like even if it's the same basic structure of the years as always, there's a feeling of significance and this sort of anticipation, right? And what I think is cool about these objects that I'll be talking about and to, to sort of make it a little easier for myself, I'll say what they are. I'll be talking about um, Twin Peaks, the, the famous uh, uh, show and movie and series everyone loves. Um, and also, I, I you know I haven't watched Twin Peaks: The Return yet. I'm sorry. It's going to make everyone really mad at me. Um, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan. I'll uh, uh, you know the one of the best things I think my wife and I ever did was we watched Twin Peaks, and every time we watched a new episode, we'd get a bunch of donuts to eat because they always ate donuts in the show, and it made us really hungry. So we'd go to the really good donut place down the road and get that, and then watch the next episode um, or two or three or whatever. Um, it was really nice, but. Uh, I haven't watched The Return yet, uh, mostly because of time, but I, I am interested. Uh, but I will speak a little bit on that. And then also The Silver Case, which is the um, visual novel by Suda that I've been playing recently. Um, very good. Uh, I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast before, and I've certainly tweeted about it. Um, but, uh, you know, highly, highly recommended. I'm not finished with it yet, but I didn't want to finish it and come up with like, – because I'll have a lot of things to say about it once I'm done – 
Um, you know, maybe I'll write something up. I'll certainly podcast about it. Uh, but I, I was struck by this, right? The, the, this moment in the silver case because silver case is um, uh, let's 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 do some research while we're here. Uh, the silver case came out in uh, on October seventh, nineteen ninety nine. So right at the cusp of the millennium, right? Um, and it deals with the turn into the millennium, right? All the cases lead up to uh, to the to the uh, to December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine. Um, the uh, of course, Twin Peaks came out quite a bit earlier in the in the nineteen eighties. Um, what is the maybe? You know what? It might be early. I'm very bad with release dates. It might be early nineties. Um, yeah. Okay. So I was close. Yeah, it became came out or was uh, shown. The original series was shown between April eighth, nineteen ninety, and June tenth, nineteen ninety one. Uh, had two seasons. Uh, the first season, famously extremely popular, uh, big time whodunit. You can sort of see the seeds of what what we get with a lot of the um, you know popular in the moment sort of like flash in the pan shows like Mayor of Easttown or um, you know even even that um, I can't even remember the name of it now. But there the 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 um, <laughs> Uh, Nicole Kidman and Pierce, not Pierce Brosnan, uh, Hugh, 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 the British man, the charming British man. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, it's embarrassing, but I refuse to look it up. They had that sort of thriller. Oh, Donald Sutherland was in it too. Um, yeah, and they, all these things rest on this sense of suspense of whodunit of like, oh, we're going to find it next, next week. We have to watch it with our friends. Um, and kind of infamously, uh, Twin Peaks does not give us so probably some spoilers for Twin Peaks in this. Not so many spoilers for Silver Case, but uh, spoilers for Twin Peaks. Um, you know, Lynch doesn't give us David Lynch, the director uh, and writer of the show, does not give us like this particular or creator. I'm not sure if he wrote all the episodes, but sort of like the um, the, the the general sort of series. I don't know, for lack of a word that I want to use, auteur. Um, you know. Uh, gives us this sort of like half answer of who killed Laura Palmer in the first season. Uh, you know, here comes the spoiler. So turn it off if you want to watch Stone Peaks. It was Leland Palmer, who, uh, you know, also is invested by this spirit, this sort of like dark spirit named Bob, who is represented as this sort of like wild man with long hair who has like a, uh, a jean jacket on, but it sort of like exists within his head. It, it's it's very interesting, right? Like it's it's this ghostly element. It's kind of Leland Palmer. It is it is clearly sort of him who did the deed. But is it Bob or is it him? Is it a allegory for abuse? His hair turns white after he kind of confesses it. It's very interesting, right? Um, satisfying on certain levels, but certainly not in terms of the way that. Um, we expect these things to be satisfied, which is satisfying, which is we get a culprit that no one saw coming. And, oh, wow, what a shock, right? Um, and so as a result, season two of Twin Peaks, which, to be fair, the first half of is very bad. Um, sorry, everyone who loves the uh, the Bobby and his uh, dad alien saga. Um, you know, the, the second season, let's say, is a bit weaker. Um, maybe I should go back and watch it until before I say something so so heavy because it's been quite a while. But it, it didn't strike me as anything super interesting. Um, but it also had a huge drop off because people weren't super satisfied with who killed Laura Palmer. And one of the things that strikes me about Twin Peaks is coming ten years before the millennium, it really is thinking about this kind of like element of transition and liminality in the same way the Silver Case is. And so these are 
both sort of end of the century tales, Silvercase being a story about you as the sort of like um, detective who is instituted into this very strange uh, thing called the heinous crimes unit, uh, which is, you know, your, your job is to go eliminate suspects in, uh, or eliminate criminals. It's, it's to basically kill criminals off and, and dispose of them. Um, although you don't do much of that uh, as it happens. You mostly just like solve these cases and uh, all of them are fascinating and tragic and interesting and really just wonderfully well done. There's a lot of different multiple uh, perspectives. We'll talk about it more when I finish it. But Silver Case takes place and uh, focuses on the capture of um, this legendary killer assassin named Kamui, who um, has has gotten out. And so uh, Kamui is 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 understood as this sort of like avatar of what has happened to the setting of um, Silver Case, which is the Twenty Four Wards. It's this uh, fictional city in Japan. Um, as well as the sort of underground area that they built, um, I think in in I don't know, it's sort of like fear of nuclear fallout. It's not entirely clear. I've forgotten, but it's not super important why it's there. It's this whole underground area under the twenty four wards. Wards and Kamui is like both the sort of ugliness of the landscape of the twenty four wards and the the depth, the hiddenness of the um, the lower parts. But at the same point. Everything in Silvercase, just like everything in Twin Peaks, is obsessed with nature and its fleeting quality, right? Twin Peaks takes place in this beautiful logging town in, I mean, what I've always imagined is Washington State, but could be Oregon or really anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Um, maybe, even, I mean, it certainly could be Canada as well or Montana. It's sort of tough to pin down, but there's, you know, big trees, uh, verdant hills, you know, waterfalls, stuff like that, right? Um, there's a logging facility in Twin Peaks that is a major focus of the show, uh, sort of like at least the first season. Um, wood is used everywhere. There is this uh, human quality of like corruption in the natural space. Not always, um, but like the fact that the casino across the wet, across the river, right, is uh, One-Eyed Jacks is considered this, uh, this extremely problematic or, or terrifying place. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, Bob infests, right, like takes over uh, Leland and comes in, you know, maybe from nature, maybe from the corruption of um, the town in Twin Pe- of the town of Twin Peaks, uh, much like Kamui is this mixture of like the elemental, the underground and the above sort of developmental qualities. You know, there, there's this there's this tentative relationship with nature right we're building on it we are going into it we're we're changing it just as we are in this liminal space between millennia and so these are all natural ideas right where we're sort of like um you know it's in uh twin peaks it is it is actually nature the sort of like um innocence of laura palmer the 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 innocence of nature around the sort of like vitality of life um, even the way Dale Cooper, uh, Kyle McLaughlin's character, just like loves taste, right? Like obsessed with like very simplest, simple taste, pie, donut, coffee. He, you know, it's all about just getting that taste and like living in that moment, right? So, you know, there's this elemental quality to Twin Peaks in that way. There's also in the Silver Case like this sense of wanting to rebuild humans from an essential 
an essential germ and the fear of what the internet is doing to us and changing in us, right? The sense of like the, the Kamui's big thing is kill the past, but kill the past, save the future. But the, the sense of killing the past is always about killing these uh, efforts to develop, efforts to change. Um, the internet is seen as a sort of new natural frontier in the same way that the town of Twin Peaks is seen as this sort of untouched landscape that Dale Cooper is trying to protect. We're trying to protect the 24 wars against Kamui. Kamui is trying to protect the future against the past. I mean, there's all of these sort of like, it's it's very complicated, obviously, but there the, are these sort of natural vistas that are then corrupted by the world around them. Furthermore, there's the sort of like sense of underground, underneath, um, you know, it, Obviously, in um, Silvercase, it's it's the city underneath the 24 boards. Um, in Twin Peaks, it's a little less obvious, but Laura Palmer's found wrapped in plastic um, under the water, right? There's the submerging. There's this sense of, like, being beneath. Um, most interestingly to me, and this, this is coming from both, um, you know, thinking about stuff that uh, my, my advisor, Nicholas Brown, has thought about, um, but also my friend Sean McTiernan, a lot of, lot of pretty interesting... Media critics have thought about this, um, where the introduction of the gun decentralizes and destabilizes a lot of mystery, right? Um, you introduce a gun and all of a sudden anyone can be the culprit. It's not a matter of um, timing necessarily. It's not a matter, not in the same way that like a knife or poison or a rope, right? The old uh, bludgeoning someone, these old ways of killing in like Agatha Christie stories are much more reliant on a kind of timing and motive and location. Whereas the gun, if you introduce the gun, anyone has the means and the opportunity, right? So essentially it boils down to motive, but like if everyone is able to get a gun, then anyone can be the killer. The, both of these games destabilize the gun in really interesting ways. Um, you know, in, in Twin Peaks, the, the destabilization of the gun is the fact that Laura Palmer is found strangled, right? Um, but also that, like, any sort of gun in the series, any sort of, like, shooting is seen as secondary, is the sort of sense of, like, you know, it's not going to resolve the mystery, A. And B, the fact that Bob, this sort of, like, ethereal villain, exists as the perpetrator means that you can never kill who did this to Laura anyway. You can't have the criminal minds ending, right? You can't just, like, kill the serial killer um same with 24 wards or same with uh silver case and here's the one sort of spoiler for silver case so you know skip forward two minutes or whatever um but we find out in silver case that kamui waiting waiting is effectively like a, a series of clones right there's the sort of like kids who are raised in the 24th ward underground um in the past and given tests and and trained to be sort of like this oppositional political parties uh, uh, I don't know, like, it's kind of like um, Boys of Brazil style, right? Like, it, it is it is the sense of, like, we're raising these children to be tools and we'll eliminate the ones that don't work and, and really build up the, the, you know, build these kids from the ground up. And then once they find the people they want, they they, they clone them. They, they sort of, like, recreate them again and again. So, like, Kamui has never existed. Many Kamuis exist. And, in fact, like, your character ends up being, like, a Kamui. And Kamui is just, like, all over the place. And Everything gets destabilized. Everything, everyone you meet is a version of one of the other killers in the game, right? And so, like, the resolution of the perpetrator falls apart there, as does the utility of the gun, which is used quite a bit in Silver Case, 
But like, you know, people being shot hardly matters if they are then just like reiterated in the world as another iteration of themselves, right? The sort of like repetition of personhood is a way to imagine not only sort of like a way outside of the gun, but also how technology might work, right? How we understand the internet, how we understand archiving. Um, and so, you know, we do sort of see like the sense of uh, distance between the two pieces, right? Whereas in Twin Peaks, it's all about the sort of like liminality, the something outside of yourself, something that you can't quite suspect, something you can't quite suspect or understand because, you know, you've become modernized in a way that keeps you from understanding the elemental evil of the world. Um and again, we can see this in Cooper talking to his uh, tape recorder all the time. There's this um, effort to record, to document, to get things down. And in the end, the killer in season one is like something that can never be documented, right? It's something that exists in reflections and in, in sort of like the madness of Leland Palmer, sort of like a, a spirit of the woods. It's tough to say, right? Just very evil, very elemental. Um, and then Palmer himself, of course, is is, is evil as well. We I mean, I, I, I think, uh, but also kind of harder to tell. Um, but in, in Silver Case, right, like it's not the something that comes from outside. It's this thing that consists um, or not consists, but like produces the people we are in such a way that we can't quite understand it or in such a way that we, we, we don't recognize it. Understand is not really the thing here. Recognize is. Um, and once you do recognize, once you realize the building, blo- recognize that the building blocks are all Kamui's and all um, Kamui's uh, um, bet noir, um, not bet noir, femme fatale or, or girl Friday or whatever. Uh, everyone in the game is a version of this, right? It all it all sort of starts to feel like a um, it starts to feel like uh, tropes, like a like a kind of like Joseph Campbell sort of story where you where we're getting you know repetitions upon repetitions upon repetitions upon repetitions, and that again is a structure like you know. The classic story, uh, person's person tells you, you know, uh, the world is held up by a turtle. It's standing on 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 a turtle. And you go like, well, what's underneath all the turtles? And the person says it's turtles all the way down. Hi, folks. Have you ever had the nagging suspicion that your hairline is retreating on you? Ever get curious about why it suddenly feels so breezy up there? Well... Father time comes for us all, and when you think he might be coming for your hair, get him out of there with Keeps. Yes, friends, Keeps, a revolutionary new treatment for male pattern baldness and hair loss that, when used at the first signs of balding, allows you to keep that beautiful head of hair full and firm. Best of all, you can use Keeps from the comfort of your own home. Simply visit one of their doctors online and have a prescription mailed to the convenience of your own home. Every three months, you'll get more, and if you're worried about the price, don't. Keeps uses a generic version of hair loss medicines and passes the savings on to you. A new price for a new you starting at $10 a month. But don't forget to act soon, because the key to Keeps is prevention, not regrowth. Save that head of hair, friend, before it goes away, and save it today with a special offer code by going to www.keeps.com slash Hagelbond. That's www.keeps.com slash H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. Go there and receive your first month free and tell them Hagelbond sent you. The turtles all the way down applies here too, right? Where like, it's Kamui all the way down. It's the sense of um, interconnectedness that we 
can ignore until we can no longer ignore it. And that's the internet, right? Um, whereas in Twin Peaks, it is the the promise of the, the reclamation of nature. Um, now, neither offers a conclusion, really, one that we'd find satisfactory. Um, in, in Silvercase, we get this sort of feeling of incipient change that is going to happen and is going to change us. In Twin Peaks, there's a feeling of incipient change or a threat of change, let's say, because Bob is not so much a an elemental force that can't be stopped as much as something that is like misunderstood, psychological, spiritual, something in the background that is making us is allegorical. Maybe it's not clear that, you know, we're all going to change to become like this, like the world's going to be ruined. We will fall into a post-lapsarian phase. It's kind of more like it's a threat of change. Um, You know, we will be changed by it. Maybe like maybe the future will change us. Um, but neither can produce this conclusion because both are about looking forward or about futurity. Again, can we kill the past, save the future? The idea is actually thinking of futurity in the sense of, I don't know, in the sense of something that actually has not happened yet and cannot be guessed. And so ultimately you get like this merging of consciousness leading to the millennium, right? And, and once you get to the millennium, once you get to this sort of question of, you know, where are we? What what has changed about us? If you look back and take a, a, a clear, honest look at the world from 1999 or from 1990, I mean, especially from 1999, you're looking back at Rodney King, you're looking back at um, all of the, you know, the, 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 the abuses of authority and, and power of the 20th century. Um, it, it is it is truly difficult to imagine a version of police that you could draw or detectives that you could produce that would be honest and not sort of come undone by the mystery, right? Cooper doesn't actually really solve Laura Palmer's murder, right? He arrests Leland Palmer. Leland Palmer goes to jail for it. But of course, like, you can't arrest Bob, right? And this sort of, like, sense of who Bob is, what is Leland Palmer's madness? Is he is he, is he sort of, like shamanic or is he sort of uh is he is he uh like uh renfield in uh, in dracula is he just going mad under the influence of something else hard to say and cooper can't say so cooper is ultimately thwarted which of course is what the return is about right this sort of like becoming um changing uh consistent sort of like repetition and change of of uh cooper himself is what a big part of what the return is about, as I'm to understand it. Um, in Silver Case, we get the sense of like, I don't know, like it is this sense of everyone would wants a conclusion to the case that they're covering, but every time we get to a conclusion, it is another repetition or another sort of dead end that becomes another line of inquiry, or someone dies, or some other shadowy organization takes hold of it. And ultimately, like uh, the your your sort of like mentor Kusabi ends up being like he ends up finding the truth, and he's a little bit like um, he's a little bit like the dog that caught the car. <laughs> heck, who knows how he did it? And heck, no, heck, if he knows what's he going to do with it? Um, but he becomes like Kant with the sublime. Immanuel Kant in uh, in his uh, critique of judgment it comes up with this really interesting uh, concept of the sublime, which is. You know, he's trying to explain the beautiful, which he understands as purposiveness or something that has a purpose. 
And uh, Kant says basically like, you know, something that exceeds the purpose, right? Like uh, there's sublimity in a lot of ways. I'm not going to bore you, but like uh, the sublimity of many numbers is is one way of thinking, is one way he does this. And he he talks about this with um, uh, thinking about the night sky, right? You look up and you look at the night sky. Um, It's pretty, right? It's beautiful. And then if you actually gaze into it, it becomes fearful because the limits of your own conception um, are dwarfed by the magnitude of the amount of stars in the sky, right? So, like, that fear is is the sublime to Kant. But for Kant, who loves purposiveness, who wants to have order in his thinking, the sublime is a real problem, right? Like, the the the, the critique of judgment, I'm stealing uh, Nicholas's Brown's reading here, but I think it's a correct reading. The, the critique of judgment's a really interesting <laughs> uh, example of just someone kind of finding the thing that screws up their analysis and not being able to get away from it. And Kusabi is like this. Once he finds out everything that's going on with Kamui, it's like, who am I? What what have I been doing all this time? Like, I was the first person to sort of get Kamui, and what was I doing? Like, what is this? And, and, and it just unravels. And so at the turn of the century, you know, the detective fiction that seems to actually speak to people's sense of self is detective fiction that shows a cop coming undone by the mystery and even mainstream stuff again we'll go back to mayor of east town that is about a police officer who is a good detective a good sort of like you know the figure outer of things which is what you want coming undone uh come be unable to handle the truth of the situation that she finds herself in uh even you know you look at sort of the um the david suchette uh, the later david suchette poirot's like the murder on the orient express uh spoilers for a 200 year old book um, not 200 years, but maybe 125 years, uh, story, um, you know, Poirot finds out at the end of the murder of the Orient Express or yeah, murder on the Orient Express that, uh, everyone on the train has had something to do with the murder, right? Everyone wants this man dead. Um, so everyone has a motive and everyone also has an alibi. And what he finds out is that, oh, everyone did this basically everyone, you know, the, the, there are, you know, explicit things that people do and explicit cover-ups that are made and every single person has their hand in the pie. And, this is what's so interesting about Murder on the Orient Express, but in the David Suchet movie version, right, he he gets so upset. Like, it, it is this, it's this sort of, like, unraveling that Poirot has at the end when he realizes that he's in the snow and he's yelling at everyone on the Orient Express, like, how how dare you, right? Like, how how dare you do this? How dare you perpetrate this evil? Like, you you you, you know, you've, you've made a fool of me. You've made a fool of, like, divine law you made it, it is this unraveling it's a really wonderful performance actually by Sushet. um but it's again a detective coming undone and this sense of being unable to sort of like grasp the totality of truth in the way that say like joe friday might in dragnet is really important because of course we have we've been disabused of our notion that the police are arbiters of truth and justice and given the sense of you know actually the police are um at best, imperfect, in reality, um, you know, fully antagonistic uh, arms of the state that mean to harm those that the state uh, would see harmed, uh, you know, the racist and, and et cetera. I mean, you don't I'm not telling you anything you don't already know post. Uh, well, post everything. Um, but the only way then you could write a detective that has any sort of suitability isn't just meant for, you know, primetime TV is as someone who is becoming undone. 
And I think the reason Twin Peaks and Silvercase speak to me so much is that since they are written on the cusp of the millennium where like this sort of becoming, uh, you know, coming unconscious, the, the idea of like a new consciousness is so big in people's mind um, that they're able to sort of tap into these more to more like philosophical almost approaches to mystery to um, the, 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 the sort of coming undone. And the lessons in them are more about sort of what happens when what we find exceeds our capacity for understanding it as true. Um, and that I think was a big fear at the turn of the millennium. I think it's a big fear now, but I think we, 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 since we are sort of in the post silver case, uh, world of the internet, you know, we, we, we try to sublimate that fear with knowledge, um, sort of capacious indexical knowledge. Um, and I think what is so useful about going back to these pieces that came out before the turn of the millennium is that it is useful to remember that indexical knowledge, no matter how much of a glut of it you have, is not actually something that determines truth. Um, all right. Well, I've, I've rambled enough of you. Thanks, everyone. Um, I will see you tomorrow, and uh, I'm really looking forward to doing more of these. Uh, thanks for your support, and I will talk to you soon. We are all Romans. We live to regret it. We are all Romans, and we know all about straight roads. Every straight road leads home. Home to Rome. To Custard. People's